0: This is the Point of Drew podcast.
1: Point of Drew, we are back and we've got a special episode coming here today it is the point of drew nfl draft special i'm excited for this one and of course got barton here our resident nfl draft expert ready to give us some takes give us the insight on everything you guys need to know to get ready for the pod or ready for the draft (laughs) Uh, from
0: the pod what's up barton what's going on z great to be here i'm super pumped as you know this is probably my favorite time of the year uh big NFL fan um in the draft is just too much fun uh la- I mean going back to last year when the world shut down there wasn't anything going on I think I did more draft prep than than all the other years combined but I'm, I gotta say I, I I put in the research this year as well and I'm I'm excited to to break it all down on this episode
1: yeah definitely I'm excited for this too it seems like uh you know, really around the, the time of the NFL draft last year was kind of the uh, the birth of the, the podcast idea for us, too, because we were dive, deep diving the NFL draft, coming up with our own uh, mock drafts, comparing them and, and just talking about it for hours. And so, um, you know, we can kind of thank the NFL draft for this podcast now. I think that, uh, you know, really sparked the uh, sparked the idea.
0: Yeah. The uh, Point of Drew podcast was born um, from us obsessing over the NFL draft and in 2019. So it's only fitting, um, you know, that we open up our first ever uh, NFL draft preview um, here in 2020, I guess 2021. <laughs> yeah. You're a little, little off there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 2021 draft. Uh, but
1: the way we're going to structure it, we'll hit some positional favorites. Just a couple guys that Bart and I um, like it, it, each of the, the major positions out there, guys, we're, we're interested in seeing. We'll talk about some mock trades. Um, we'll mock pick our uh, our top 10 picks. Um, and then we'll end with a, a segment that Barton named Canton Watch, where uh, we'll give you a few names who uh, we're, we're having some early predictions on a Hall of Fame careers for. So lots to get into. This is going to be a great episode, get you ready for the draft. That happens on Thursday night. But first, as always, Jersey Corner is here. Number 27. I'll let you kick things off, Barton. Give us a few honorable mentions for Jersey number 27.
0: Yeah, man. 27 was not as epic of a number as I was hoping for, um, but there are still some good players nonetheless. Uh, we'll start things off with uh, with my KC Chief uh, favorite running back of all time to date, Larry Johnson. Uh, he was doing it uh, in the early 2000s as a starter before, uh, I think before Priest Holmes took over. Um, but LJ, uh, he was a terrific running back on the field. He also won the Doak Walker Award at Penn State. So he did it in college and did it in the NFL. Larry Johnson uh, deserves a shout at 2-7. Um, additionally, this guy really makes a list because of his name, uh, Catfish Hunter. Uh, I believe he was a a longtime pitcher in the MLB He actually uh, was a five-time world series champion and also won uh, the Cy Young award once. He was a longtime Oakland athletic. His Jersey number 27 is retired um, with that organization. So catfish Hunter, a hell of a name. I haven't heard of a name that good uh, from a starting pitcher in MLB since. And so I think he deserves a shout Uh, well-deserved there catfish Hunter. Uh, And then my final one, uh, this guy was one of my favorite MOB players uh, to watch growing up, Vladimir Guerrero. Um, he was awesome to watch. Long time uh, Toronto Blue Jay and, and uh, Los Angeles Angel uh, had a great career. and Now his son is picking up right where he left off, hitting bombs now, Vlad Guerrero Jr. Um, so I think Vlad, the OG Vlad Guerrero deserves a shout as well at 27.
1: Absolutely. Some great shout outs there. I love uh, Catfish, man. Wish I had a friend named Catfish. That's a, sounds like just a cool guy to be around. Uh, So some good shout outs there. Um, I'll start with uh, Vlad Guerrero on my list. Definitely one of the most fun players I watched growing up in baseball. Uh, just the fact he he had to make this list for the fact that I have never seen him once take a, a swing where he wasn't trying to hit the ball 500 feet, <laughs> and you got to love that from a baseball True. player. That's what I want to see at the plate. I want to see guys taking massive rips, trying to hit everything out of the park. Um, you know there are videos of Vlad Guerrero swinging at balls that bounce like three feet in front of the plate, and he's still swinging out of his shoes for it. So. Love that. Um, He's definitely making my list for Jersey corner number 27. Uh, Another shout out I've got to give Eddie George, Um, you know, was a great running back for a while. The Ohio state university Heisman trophy winner in, in 1995, Um, came into the NFL, played for uh, Tennessee. Most of his career got some, um, Got some uh, playing time in a few seasons with Steve McNair, and that was a pretty fun offensive duo there. Um, But Eddie George, definitely a killer at the running back position uh, and deserves a a shout-out from me as well. So those are the two shout-outs I wanted to give Vlad and Eddie George. But I'll throw it back to you now to give us your winner, the best to do it at twenty seven.
0: Yeah, and I think we might be headed the same direction on this one. Uh, my best to ever do it at 27, uh, Mike Trout. Um, ever since he got into the league back in 2011, he's been quite arguably the best best player we've seen through uh, the past decade. Uh, eight-time All-Star, three-time MVP. Um, hasn't seen much of the playoffs uh, through that stint through his career. Um, so I'm hoping he can continue to grow that career resume with some, some playoff appearance and ideally some playoff wins. Uh, we haven't seen that out of the angels yet. He might have to switch teams to, to really see, uh, see the, see October. Um, but yeah, I got to go Mike Trout. I mean, he's been so productive both at the plate and in the field, uh, just a terrific all around baseball player. One of the most talented baseball players I've witnessed and, um, you know, when it's all said and done, he might be one of the greats to ever do it, um, despite not having uh, a ton of postseason success. And so I got to go my best to ever do it at 27, Mike Trout.
1: Well, I'm with you on that one. I'm going Mike Trout as well. Um, You know, pretty crazy for a guy who, like you mentioned, only played 10 seasons um, in the sport so far. He you know, we haven't really named a whole lot of active players, um, the winners of their respective Jersey corner numbers. So Mike Trout's one of the few that's still doing it, still in his prime and is already the best at his respective Jersey number. Um, but you touched on it, eight-time All-Star, three-time MVP. He's won MVP in almost a third of the seasons he've, he's played. Uh, <laughs> pretty crazy stat there, but um, – you know, the Angels are bad. He has not seen the playoffs. He has nowhere near the, the playoff resume of a lot of the greats in the sport so far. Um, but if he turns that around and can actually get the Angels further in the playoffs, uh, I think you're right when you say he's worthy of being some, in some of those conversations among some of the greatest baseball players of all time. Still, I uh, got to have a little bit of respect for a guy who chooses to, to get some money and a, a nice contract in a great city um, and, and take that ahead of winning. So a little respect for Trout in that area as well. But I am uh, going with, with Mike Trout as the best to ever do it at 27. Sounds like we're on the same page there.
0: Yeah, really a no-brainer. I mean, I love Vlad. Gotta love Catfish. Um, but, yeah, Mike, Mike Trout's going to bring this one home. That's the best I ever dude, to 27.
1: Absolutely. That's going to wrap it for Jersey Corner. Mike Trout, unanimous winner as the best player to ever grace number 27 jersey. We'll be right back with our NFL draft breakdown, our full preview. A lot to stay tuned in for. We'll be right back after a quick word from our friends over at Shug's Bagels. All
0: right, Z. Let's play a little game of fact or fiction. Let's do it. Fact or fiction. Shug's has the best bagels, rolls, and wraps south of the Big Apple. Ah, facts. That is correct. One for one. Off to a hot start. Fact or fiction. Shug's recently replaced Wheaties as the true breakfast of champions. (laughs) That sounds right to me. Fact. Correct again. He's heating up. Fact or fiction, Shug's has the best bagels in all of Texas. Oh,
1: you already know that's
0: big facts. Yes, that is right again, three for three. Shug's bagels is in fact all of those things and more. And they'll be open all week, serving up that ooey gooey goodness. Go check them out in Park City's Village near SMU campus and on social media at Shug's bagels. Shug's bagels, the bagel that Texas deserves.
1: All right, we're back. Like I mentioned, the NFL draft preview special, big episode ahead. We've got a lot to dive into, but the first thing we're going to start with was just some positional favorites, um, kind of breaking down a few of the players that you'll likely see in the first, maybe second round of this year's draft. Um, I don't think these necessarily are, are the player that we think is the best at their position or the the player that's going to go be the first off the board at their position. Uh, but more so just a, a favorite player of ours, someone who we think is a, a really interesting prospect and can make some noise in the, in the league once they get there. So um, we kind of narrowed down the positions. We're doing four offensive players, four defensive players, um, just kind of hitting on the big positions. But I'll let you start it off, Barton. We can start with the quarterback position. Um, you know, I'd just be interested to hear who your uh, positional favorite is at quarterback and, and a little bit about why he's, he's uh, you know, your, your positional favorite and where you think he's going to get drafted.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a, so just to kind of reiterate on, on the format here, um, going through guys that aren't necessarily the best at each position, but guys we, we like the most, um, give a little bit of context on why we like them and then uh, where we think they would fit best in the league. Maybe not where they're going to actually get drafted, but where we'd most like to see them get drafted. Um, and so with that, I'll jump right into my favorite QB um, in this year's draft, Zach Wilson out of BYU, the baby face killer. Um, you know, reason really why I like him. I think he's the, uh, the best off script playmaker at the QB position in this draft. Um, you know, being able to extend plays, uh, extend the possessions, keep your eyes downfield when the plays break down, I think is is quite possibly the hardest skill set to acquire. And uh, this day and age, and is extremely important in the NFL. Um, you see the, the best quarterbacks in this day and age, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers. They all have the ability to make plays off script, get outside the pocket, um, and really just make fun, incredible throws downfield. And I think Zach Wilson has, uh, without question, the the best ability to do that out of this year's uh, quarterbacks in in this draft class. And so I like him for that reason. I think he's got the best arm talent as well. His ability to make off-platform throws from all different types of arm angles – um, as we see, as we saw at his pro day, uh, is an incredibly important trait, um, and he can even rival our boy Pat Mahomes in, in terms of making some of those just ridiculous throws where he's just not even close to set. Um, I think Zach Wilson. Another reason I like him, he, he seems like he's obsessed with football and, and getting better. Uh, the the draft day story that you keep hearing is you he would drive 12 hours uh, to California to train on the weekends. Uh, with some quarterback coaches after high school games and where he was in Utah. So uh, really committed, you know, Friday night games, get in the car, spend all weekend training and then come back for, for school the next week. That's the type of commitment you want out of a, a franchise quarterback. And so, you know, those are a few reasons why I like Zach Wilson. I think he he's my favorite uh, QB coming into this draft and really the fit. Where I'd love to see him get drafted is, is not a place where he, he likely will go, but I'd love to see him end up with the 49ers. Uh, getting paired up with Kyle Shanahan and, and his offensive mind um, would be a ton of fun to watch just with the skill set Zach Wilson has, the offense – uh, that Kyle Shanahan could, could really put him into, I think would be a perfect fit. Um, unfortunately for Zach, uh, it looks like he'll be headed to to New York, uh, barring a, a, a crazy circumstance here, and, and play for the Jets in Roberts Law, which isn't necessarily the worst-case scenario. Um, you know, I think he'll take that, that pick in stride and be ready to be the, the franchise guy there, but um, really would have liked to see him in San Francisco and see what he could have done with, uh, with Kyle Shanahan and those guys over there.
1: Love that. That's a lot of good, uh, good insight on, on Zach Wilson. He's a, uh, you know, not a guy that I watched a ton of in college, but seems like everything I've heard about him is that he is that special type of talent has a lot of those things you were you're were mentioning, uh, can make those on the run type of throws. So definitely excited for, uh, for Wilson. Uh, so yeah, the Mormon boy, maybe head into the, uh, the big lights, the bright lights in the big apple. I think that's probably where he's headed unless the uh, the Jets want to do something crazy and take Justin Fields. I think there's a, a chance it could happen. And, um, you know, Justin Fields is my positional favorite at the quarterback position. I think he really is being slept on at this point. There's some mock drafts now that, that show him slipping down even to the, the late teens, um, which is wild for, for a quarterback who just two months ago, um, seemed like the clear cut number two prospect, um, you know, was knocking off Trevor Lawrence in playoff games, was, you know, all over the place showing off his skills. Um, you know, Justin Fields showed that he has the talent. He's got a, a good arm. He definitely has the legs to to be a great quarterback. Um, but it seems like a lot of the league, a lot of the teams right now that are picking high in this draft are tor- turning towards some of these, you know, big-bodied, pocket-passing, almost safe-play type of quarterbacks, aka Mac Jones. Um, but uh, you know, Justin Fields is really my favorite quarterback in this draft. For and for his sake, I hope he ends up going to a team that, that really hands him the keys, lets him ball out. Because at this point, I want nothing more than for all of these teams that pass on him to prove, prove, uh, you know, prove him wrong show that he's tough, show that he's a competitor, that he's capable of being a, an elite quarterback in this league. Um, you know, the spot I do want him to go, like I mentioned, would be New York going number two to the Jets. Um, I think that would be a, a really awesome spot. I think it's extremely unlikely this at this point. Um, at the end of the day, I don't see him slipping down past number nine to the Broncos. Um, ultimately if he's still on the board uh, at, you know, seven, eight or nine, I could see, um, either the, the lions or the, uh, Panthers willing to, uh, trade trade back in the draft and have a team hop up there to get him at seven or eight, um,
0: yeah.
1: or the Broncos snag him if he's still on the board at nine. So Justin Fields, definitely my, uh, my favorite quarterback coming out in this draft. He'll be proof some people wrong.
0: Yeah, man, I, I knew you're a big Justin Fields guy. And so I'm not, I'm not shocked there. Uh, I am a little surprised you're wanting to, to end up with the jets. You see that as the best fit. I kind of get the logic in terms of, Hey, turn over the franchise and, and let him kind of be the face and, and uh, you know, really kind of invest in him going forward. And so, Hey, I, I don't know if it's going to happen, but I, I do <laughs> see the logic there. So I like it. And, and speaking of Justin Fields, um, you know, he can use his legs more so than a lot of the other quarterbacks in this draft. And, um, you know, a, a position that likes, that really has to use their legs quite a bit is is the running back position. And so let's get into kind of who you like, who's your favorite running back prospect in this draft. And, uh, you know, where would you like to see them picked?
1: Yeah, so my favorite running back um, in this draft is probably Travis Etienne out of Clemson. Um, you know, I think there's a... a really good chance that Najee Harris becomes the best running back to to get drafted in this class. Um, but I think uh you know ETN is a guy who can make a, a massive impact in a lot of ways. He's going to be a late first round, early second round pick, which in my opinion is really the earliest anyone should be looking to take a running back anyway. Um, but I think there, there are a couple good options um, you know for him to Find maybe a, a young team, uh, kind of an up-and-coming team where you can really help build on an offense that needs a, a few more playmakers. So I think a, a spot like pairing him with Tua in Miami or finding a way to get him uh, get him to Arizona early in the second round um, to, to pair up with Kyler there would be awesome. But I think at the end of the day, the spot I like him best would be going 30th overall to Buffalo, teaming up with Josh Allen, um, uh, an offense it's already you know pretty stack has a good right wide receiver core uh, but adding that running back threat of uh, Travis Etienne in there as well I think would be really awesome so um, I like him going 30th to Buffalo.
0: Etienne man he he had a lot of great seasons in production at Clemson uh, I think he's definitely probably the most explosive back um, coming out uh, I ran in the four fours and so uh, a home run hitter, as they say, uh, can definitely get downfield and would be uh, a great spark for that Buffalo team who is really devoid of talent at that running back position after selecting um, both Zach Moss and Devin Singletary in the, in the last two drafts. Those guys haven't really panned out. Um, so it would be awesome to see them get a guy like Eddie in and, and really transform their, their backfield there in Buffalo.
1: Absolutely. Who do you got at the running back?
0: I'm going with a little bit of a different direction. A guy you did mention though, I, it pains me to say it, uh, but I'm going with Najee Harris out of Alabama. He is my favorite running back prospect in this draft. Um, his combination of size at 6'2", 230, he's almost like a a Derrick Henry type in terms of size and and a terrific pass catcher. His pass catching ability is, is without question uh, kind of the the most mature and, and evolved out of any of the backs coming out in this draft. And so that's what really, that combination of size and pass catching ability makes uh, Najee Harris a really intriguing running back prospect for me. Uh, he had terrific production at Bama. Uh, as an LSU fan, I know he's very difficult to bring down, um, gets upfield, and then, of course, like I mentioned, can be used in a bunch of different ways, including um, in the passing game. And so Harris is, is, I'm going with Harris is my favorite running back prospect in this draft. And I think the best fit for him would be the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Pittsburgh just released or let go of James Connor. Um, and so with their starter last past two seasons gone, uh, Pittsburgh needs a reliable pass catching back for big Ben to dump the ball off to, And I think Najee Harris is a, is a perfect fit to come in there and, um, you know, be a guy who doesn't turn the ball over, who can, they can use in the passing game um, and really get a lot out of it, the running back position.
1: Yeah. I really love that uh, Pittsburgh pick there. I think uh, running back's position that they could be some help in and that'd be a, that'd be a great pick for, for the Steelers. So next up, we'll move into uh What we call the wide receiver slash tight end position, kind of a combo. Just we'll call it pass catchers. Um, so I'll throw it to you first on this one. Who's your favorite pass catcher in this year's draft? This is gonna come, should should everyone already know?
0: (laughs) This is gonna come as a shock to no one, but I gotta go with my guy Jamar Chase out of LSU. Um, yes, he did sit out the uh this past season in 2020, but. His 2019 season alone should should get him the look there. Um, you know, he really the reason I like him is he's got some elite traits, uh, as you saw at his uh, pro day. He's got great burst. Uh, ran in the four fours. He's got great athleticism. At a 42-inch vertical, terrific ball skills. If you go watch his tape, he goes out and wins at the point of attack uh, against elite defenses too. He, he had historic production at the highest level in, in college football. Um, in that 2019 season, he led the nation in both receiving yards and touchdowns. Uh, you know, he had the uh, the the really the fortunate. Um, Circumstance of being paired up with Joe Burrow uh, back in 2019 at LSU. Um, but you know, again, that didn't stop him. He was going up against elite corners, uh, at Alabama, at Auburn, at Clemson, and and he still produced at a very high level against them. Uh, the guy's got an alpha attitude. He's not afraid to go up against anyone and do it on the biggest stage. You saw him haul in two massive touchdown receptions in that natty title game back in 2019 against Clemson. So, uh, he's not afraid of the spotlight. He's not afraid to go up against elite competition. Um, And it's going to come as a surprise of no one as well. I like him. His best fit is to be reunited with his old pal, Joe Burrow. I'd love to see the Bengals draft Jamar Chase fifth overall um, and reunite him with, uh, with Joe Burrows. You know, they were one of the most exciting and productive quarterback wide receiver duos in college football history. And so reuniting them in Cincinnati and Paul Brown stadium, nothing would make me happier. So I got, uh jamar chase is my favorite receiver and i would love to see him headed to cincinnati
1: love that one and then pretty obvious knew you were going that direction with it uh jamar chase has been your guy for a while now so um uh, would be really fun to see him back with burrow balling, and and cincy um so great pick there um i uh i'm sticking in the sec for this one as well going with kyle pitts tight end um from florida and you know, really, there aren't enough great things to be said about Kyle Pitts. I know uh, you're really our, our college football expert here on the podcast. I don't watch quite as much college football as you. But when I saw Kyle Pitts, um, you know, the first thing I thought is, like, who in the world is this dude? Because he looks legit. Um, last season at Florida definitely proved to be one of the most dynamic offensive talents in college football. Um, I think he comes a little bit more from like the Travis Kelsey school of tight ends where Extremely comfortable lining up, uh, you know, even outside running routes like a receiver Um, still has the size and strength as well to, uh, you know, has those tools for him to compete as a blocker at the same time. Um, So I think Pitts is going to be the first non quarterback taken off the board in this year's draft. Um, I think he ends up in Atlanta going to the Falcons. Um, And and I do think that is a, a spot I'd really like to see him. Um, I'm still in on uh, Matt Ryan as the quarterback there in Atlanta. And so getting him a few more pieces to work with would be awesome to see. Um, You know, there's some rumors coming about, about Julio Jones future in Atlanta and, you know, they could always use another dynamic offensive player like Kyle Pitts. So Kyle Pitts to the Falcons would be, be a lot of fun to to see.
0: It's a great pick. Uh, I think everyone is in love with Pitts, uh, including me. I mean, watching him in college, like you mentioned, it was, it was next level. Um, He almost, he almost single-handedly put Kyle Trask, his quarterback at Florida, into the Heisman conversation with his, with his playmaking ability. I mean, just a mismatch nightmare. And so would love to see him in Atlanta. I think, you know, that's a great point with Julio aging and, you know, his future being uncertain in Atlanta, really getting another elite pass catching prospect in the, in the, in the building there in Atlanta would be a, a huge help to Matt Ryan and, and, first year head coach, Arthur Smith. And so really like that one. Um, But moving on, we've got through the pass catchers, the next, the, the the final uh, offensive position group. We're going to go through here. Uh, Who is your favorite offensive line prospect and why, and where would you like to see them be drafted?
1: So I'm going here with Elijah Vera Tucker out of USC. Um, AVT. Exactly. And in my eyes, I think Panay Sewell, probably the best offensive line talent in this draft, but I think uh AVT here pretty close second for me. Um, and, and I'm really interested due to some of the upside. I think he's going to have at this next level, uh, you know, really strong guy, really mobile guy. Um, he can plug in immediately and, and really has the ability to play both guard and tackle on the offensive line can play a little inside can play outside as well. So Um, he's not a guy that's just destined to come in, play one spot. It's more so of a, you're going to go grab this guy because he can do whatever you need on that offensive line and be a force, um, um, you know, protect a a great quarterback. And so I think he's probably going to go in the teens somewhere, but the spot I'd really like to see him fall is to the chargers at 13. If the chargers hang on to that pick, um, I think it's a fantastic spot for him stay in Los Angeles, uh, just, just, you know, the USC to, to chargers um, w- would be a nice little uh, spot for him to go. And I think he, you know, the chargers are already uh, have a lot of pieces building for the future, really building a uh, possible contender in the making. And so uh, getting a, an offensive line talent that can uh, help Justin Herbert. There is exactly what they need. Love uh, AVT 13 to the chargers.
0: It's a great pick. I like him sticking around in L.A., um, going to protect Justin Herbert uh, as he's kind of taking over that franchise and giving it some hope out in uh, Los Angeles. So love the pick there. USC has been churning out great tackle prospects. They had Austin Jackson go uh, in in last year's draft in in kind of the same spot, like around the mid-teens. And so uh, good stuff for USC. I like ABT a lot. I went a little bit of a different direction. It's going to be a shock to no one again. Uh, Panay Sewell out of Oregon similar to Kyle Pitts the guy's just a generational prospect um, you know completely uh, a nightmare mismatch type of uh, player um, at the tackle position uh, he was the highest graded college offensive lineman ever by pro football focus they've been grading out college players for six years and he completely set the new record um, kind of set the the scale there in terms of how they look at offensive linemen kind of completely reset that for them, which is incredible. He gave up one sack over 1,376 snap snaps over the two seasons he played at Oregon. And so uh, talk about production. The guy just is, is a brick wall in terms of uh, not giving up any pressures and sacks for the most part. Um, so I, th- I mean, enough said on Panay. So well, we've all heard about him. He's uh, without question, the most intriguing tackle prospect we've seen in years. Um, for me, I'm going to stick around and, and I like this fit is, is similar with the chargers. Um, I think, you know, they need to bring in someone to protect uh, their franchise QB that they found last year and Justin Herbert. And, you know, I'm not sure Sewell will be available at 13 for the chargers, but um, you know, what could be better than picking a potential hall of fame left tackle to, to, you know, protect Justin Herbert for his entire career. I mean, those guys could be together for the next decade plus. And so, I don't know if it's going to happen, but if Sewell's available in that seven, eight, nine range, it might be worthy of uh, trading up for the Chargers to go grab him, uh, a generational prospect that he is. So I got Panay Sewell, um, and hopefully uh, the Chargers can find a way to get him.
1: Yeah, I love that. And Sewell definitely, I mean, that's, that's crazy about the one sack and however many, uh, you know, snaps. Um I definitely could see someone moving up in this draft to go snag him, especially if uh, the Bengals don't pick him at five, which is where I think he likely may go. Um, Wouldn't surprise me to see a bunch of calls being made, even to Miami at six as well. I could see Miami, you know, if they're locked in on, you know, a a wide receiver, we know they're, uh, you know, three or or four wide receivers that are probably going to go in the top, you know, 15 Miami would still have a shot at one of them at 13. Um, someone someone could be calling. So I uh, really like your pick there. Would love to see the Chargers get him. Same reason I said the Chargers to get uh, Vera Tucker. I'd love to see someone uh, ready to, to pass block for Justin Herbert. But that'll wrap it up for the offensive side of the ball. Let's hop over to the defense. I'll let you kick it off here. Um, we can start with the defensive back position. So corners, safeties, um, I'll let you start with this one. Who is your favorite defensive um,
0: back in this draft? So, yeah, my favorite DV is, is J.C. Horn out of South Carolina. Um, he's easily the most physical and aggressive corner in this draft, which I absolutely love. Um, physicality and aggressiveness of the cornerback position is not really a skill set you can teach. Um, so a guy that has that naturally, inherently – um, I think is a big plus. He's also got good size for a corner at, at about six, one, 200 pounds. Um, so will not be, you know, be being getting beat off the line. He can definitely kind of jam guys up on the line, which is uh, uh, definitely a big help in the NFL with some the speed you have at receiver. Um, he also, I mean, from a production standpoint, he played in the sec in South Carolina. He held up well against top the top tier pass catchers in that conference, the likes of, uh, Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, et cetera. And so he's got the, uh, the chops to really hold up against some, some elite talent. And of course he's got NFL pedigree. He's the son of Joe Horn, the longtime Saints receiver. Um, I can't wait for, for JC to get drafted, pull off a pick six and uh, go celebrate like his dad did by pulling a cell phone out of, uh, (laughs) out of the uh, field goal post uh, covering there. And so I'm excited for that, but Um, J.C. Horn's my favorite prospect at the defensive back position. Uh, In terms of a fit, I I would like to see him end up in either Chicago or Arizona. Uh, Both those teams are, are picking in the middle of the first round where Horn is likely to fall to and they need to replace their number one corners uh, after their respective departures. Kyle Fuller left Chicago for Denver, uh, and Patrick Peterson left Arizona to go to Minnesota. And so, both those guys really have a need at the position. They need a true number one cornerback, and I think J.C. Horn can go go be that guy for either those franchises um, as soon as next year. So, love to see him in, in a Bears or Cardinals uniform uh, starting next year.
1: Yeah, there's some good spots there. Um... The guy I'm taking at this position is Greg Newsom second. I mentioned it on the last podcast, a prospect that, that I really like. Um, and it's hard to like this guy more than J.C. Horn. I think Horn is uh, a lot of fun, especially, uh, you know, just the legend that, uh, that Joe Horn had coming before him. Um, but the things I like about Newsom is that I, I think he is a little underrated this port at this point looking like he's going to be a mid to, to late first round type of pick. Um, and it's easy to make the argument that a guy like JC Horn or even Patrick Sertain are the, the better corners in this draft. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to debate that. But Newsom proved he's incredibly physical and fast, which as simple as that actually sounds, isn't something a ton of corners actually come into the draft possessing both of those skills. Um, a lot of times we label corners as a physical corner, or this is a speed guy who can keep up with anyone. Um, and it's rare for a player to actually be in the elite category, at both of those type of things. So I think Newsom is, uh, is that kind of guy. Yeah, uh, still has to work on some of his instincts. Um, just like getting a, a complete feel for the NFL game, I think will may take a second, but I still think he's going to be a guy that can slot in immediately help a team right away. Um, You mentioned Arizona as a great spot for a defensive back to end up to fill those shoes with Patrick Peterson. And I think that's where I'd like to see Greg Newsom fall. Um, If he doesn't go to Arizona, I think, uh, you know, Tennessee at pick number 22, uh, they Mm -hmm. definitely need some playmakers on the defensive side of the ball as well. So Greg Newsom uh, the second out of northwestern is probably my uh, my favorite defensive back in this draft.
0: yeah I like Greg Newsom a lot he's, he's kind of going under the radar um, and could could be kind of a guy who falls to the late ha- latter half of that first round and, and someone gets a good value pick there because I do think he has a lot of talent um, and could be when it's all said and done one of the best corners uh, defensive backs in this draft so great insight there um, where we're going next linebacker who is your favorite linebacker prospect and coming up in this draft
1: so i think my favorite linebacker in this coming draft is uh is nick bolton out of mizzou um he's probably gonna go in the in the early second round may not quite make the uh the first round um just in terms of this draft there aren't a ton of, of super high level linebackers um like we've seen in the past but I think Nick Bolton's a guy. He's arguably the most instinctive linebacker in the entire class. Um, pretty good in both the run and pass game. Uh, he he has a he's dropped a little on a lot of draft boards just because of his size. He definitely is a little under undersized for his position, especially um, if he's playing middle linebacker. But he uh, tallied eleven pass breakups last year, so it's definitely a guy who's still active. Um, getting interceptions, had two interceptions last year, and um, is just kind of a ball hawk when it comes to the run game. He's in there on every single play. Um, just one of those guys that every time you look up to see a tackle being made, he's in that pile uh, disrupting things in the backfield. So I think Nick Bolden is definitely a guy I am uh, interested to see. Um I think a good spot for him could be one of the first two picks in that second round, um, going to Jacksonville or to the New York jets. Um, those are teams that are obviously going to be eyeing quarterbacks in the first round, looking to uh, kind of revamp their offenses, but could use another piece on the defensive side of the ball as well. So um, I think that's it. at the end of the day where I could see him going.
0: Yep. Great, great, productive career for Bolton and the SEC at Mizzou. And so, I think that pick makes a lot of sense.
1: What about you? Where are you going on
0: linebacker? So for me, my favorite linebacker, and it's really not even close in this one, uh, is a guy by the name of Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa out of Notre Dame. Uh, he's the fastest and probably highest motor linebacker in the draft, which is a, a skill set that I think is extremely important at the linebacker position. He's terrific in coverage. Um, you know, an abs- that's an absolute must for linebackers in today's NFL with, you know, so many slot receivers and and tight ends lining up all over formations. You just need good coverage linebackers. You can, uh, you know, hang with the best of them. We saw it in the super bowl, Devin white hanging with, he's extremely fast. Uh, great coverage linebacker who was, you know blanketing Travis Kelsey a lot of the time and, and really made an impact on that game. Um, and I think Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa can be a, a linebacker similar to Devin White, where he can just kind of play and roam all over the formation um, and just make plays. He's got sideline to sideline speed and is terrific in coverage. He's also an alpha uh, vocal leader on the defense, gets his guys fired up, can really be the leader uh, of a defense there. And so Um, I really like him. He's by far, he's far and away my favorite linebacker prospect coming into this draft. And in terms of fit, I like him headed to uh, the Washington Redskins. Um, You know, they've already got a dominant front four, as we've seen last year, and I'd love to see him be inserted behind those guys and just have the ability to kind of roam and make plays for anyone that gets behind that that first level. And so that defense would be absolutely scary if they can add him at pick 19. Uh, he's also from just south of D.C., so it would be a little bit of a homecoming uh, for the young fella. Uh, we'll love to see Jeremiah Ousu koromoa uh, headed to Washington. It would be a lot of fun.
1: That would be a fun pick there uh, for Washington in that first round. But we've got two more positions to get to on the defensive side of the ball. We've got edge rushers and defensive lineman, but I'll let you start with the edge rusher here. Um, give us your, your favorite edge rusher in this draft and uh, why you like him.
0: Yeah. And so I mentioned this guy on the last podcast, uh, he's flying a little bit under the radar, but I think he has a chance to be uh, the best edge rusher in the class a guy by the name of Joseph Osai out of Texas. Um, he's got, maybe the best motor out of any edge rusher in the draft. It's exactly what I want out of edge rushers too: relentless motors, guys who never stop running uh, make plays after the play seems like it's over. Uh, so many times in college, uh, he, he would make tackles and plays from the other completely the other side of the field. He's rushing off the right side, ends up making a tackle on the left boundary. Um, and that's exactly what I want to see out of my edge rushers guys that just never stop. Uh, he had terrific production in college. I was a first-team All-American in 2020, uh, was third in the nation in tackles for loss, with 16. He had five sacks, three forced fumbles, so this guy uh, was an absolute beast um, in in his final season with the Texas Longhorns. Uh, And where I'd love to see him go, uh, Osai is, like I mentioned, flying a little bit under the radar, so it could be a guy that falls into kind of the mid-to-late second round. I'd love to see our Kansas City Chiefs pick him up. Uh, you know, the Chiefs really need to replace Tano Passano at, at defensive end. And I think Osai provides a, a great option for a replacement there. He's got great versatility and can play either edge rusher or linebacker. He did both at, at Texas. And so uh, the Chiefs, they need some linebacking help. Uh, and I think Joseph Osai would be a perfect pick for them to land at, at 58 with their first pick in the draft.
1: Love that. Would love to see the Chiefs add a little talent in that area. So it's a great pick there. Um, my edge, I'm going with Jalen Phillips. Um, edge rusher out of University of Miami, coming from the U. Um, but what I really love about this guy is his incredible story. So he was the number one recruit coming out of high school and uh, originally went to UCLA. Um, mm-hmm. His freshman year, he was involved in a moped accident that actually uh, ended, required surgery on both of his wrists, kept him sidelined oh, wow. for a season. Um, once he came back the the following season, ended up getting three concussions. The doctors um, medically sidelined him for the rest of the season. And he just thought it was best, you know, after those injuries to get a new start, enter the transfer portal, went to Miami, had to sit out an entire season because of his uh, transfer. Um and wasn't even slotted to be their starter this year. Uh, but the man up in front of him ended up uh, having to sit out due to COVID reasons for the season, giving Jaylen Phillips a chance to come in and shine, and he did. Um, and really just thrived in that role at Miami. was a killer pass rusher. Um, so I'm just excited to, for his story to see what he's been through. I mean, the craziness of a Mopat accident the transfers, the, um, you know, getting to be the starter because of crazy circumstances, but, um, excited to see what he can do. I think, uh, a really good spot for him would be going 11 to the giants. Um, I don't at the end of the day, see him getting drafted that high. I think it would be a great fit. I think another realistic spot for him would be going to the Miami dolphins at 18. Um, I mm-hmm. think both of those teams could really use a guy like him. Um, to come in and and really step up the defensive side, defensive presence um, for those two teams.
0: Yeah. I love that one. Phillips tantalizing prospect with an even crazier story. Um, So I think he would be a great fit uh, in Miami sticking, sticking around in in South beach um, could provide a lot of upside for that, that dolphins defensive line and, and Brian Flores on that defensive side of the ball.
1: Absolutely. Well, will let you take it away for this last one. The uh, defensive line, last position we're hitting on here. Who is your uh, your favorite defensive line?
0: Well, as you know, the defensive linemen also referred to as the big uglies. So uh, in, in big ugly fashion, I got to go with a guy from Iowa uh, by the name of Davion Nixon. Um, he's a little bit under the radar in terms of uh, being a high top top tier prospect, um, but he had great production in college. I mean, he was a first team All-American in 2020 at uh, Iowa. He won defensive player of the year in the, in the Big Ten. And so uh, actually really kind of balled out in, in the 2020 season. He doesn't have the size and the upside of a, of a guy like Christian Barmore, who's the, he's the kind of the favorite out of the defensive linemen in this, this draft. But um, from what I've heard, he's more coachable and hardworking. And so that's what I like to hear. Um, a guy who can come in and put in the work and, and really respond positively to coaching. Um, so I got Davion Nixon out of Iowa. I'd love to see him. Uh, he's likely a second round guy. So I uh, would love to see him kind of float towards the end of the round and end up being a steal for a team with uh, really a need on the defensive interior, like the Cleveland Browns and the, the Green Bay Packers. Um, but I got Davion Nixon out of Iowa, who you got uh, in terms of the big uglies on the interior defensive line. So I'm going
1: with a guy you mentioned is probably the favorite on the defensive line. And that's going to be Christian Barmore. He is a massive human um, clocking mm-hmm. in at the, the combines with six four three ten. 310. The dude is ripped. <clears throat> he can move too, but what do we expect? This is our typical Alabama prospect these type of days, but uh, he got the job done in college too. He was named the college football playoff championship game, defensive MVP, um, came up big. He had, uh, five tackles, two of them being for a loss, had a sack as well. Um, but was in there on on every play, just disrupting things. Um, and I think he can translate that to the the program. He can be that kind of impact player on the next level too. Um, he, he could fall, um, you know, a bit in this draft. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes into the first round, um, just because it seems like there aren't a ton of teams that are going to be picking defensive line um you know really high in this draft um if he does go high again i think another spot for him would be number 18 to miami um you know being that second pick that miami has in the first round wouldn't surprise me if they go offense with that their their first pick maybe look to add a receiver there then switch up gears go defensive line with that second pick so uh, Barmore to Miami, I think, is another spot where we could likely see him ending up.
0: Yeah, Barmore, man, he's a beast. He absolutely, like you said, dominated that national championship game against Ohio State. And if that performance is reflective at all of how his NFL career is going to go, he's going to be an absolute problem up front for whatever team, uh, whatever team he's going up against. And so uh, I love the pick for Barmore. That, that kind of wraps things up. We covered a lot of ground there.
1: Yeah, definitely. That's a good little segment. Give you guys – I mean, that's 16 names right there, and that's probably half of the players that we're going to see get drafted in the first round or at least in, uh, you know, the first two rounds or so. So I hope that gave you guys all some insight into some of the players you'll be hearing getting announced on Thursday night. We're moving into some of our favorite trades that we could see happening on draft night. We're going to call this the Trade Corner and uh you know really the way i wanted to hit on it here is is just look at some teams that could be moving around making some moves making some trades in this first round um really in most drafts particular ones uh, like this year's with death at the quarterback position we tend to see teams trade up into the top 10 secure guys at the top of their draft board um and, and you know really that's something we see year after year but um I'd love for you to just hit on some of these trends we've seen in the recent, in recent history regarding the trades on draft day. And what do you think we might see happen this year?
0: Yes. Yeah, so there has been some kind of distinct um, trends we've seen in, in the past 20 years or so regarding uh, draft day trades. Um, you know, most teams are trading up for specific positions. Um, quarterback being the most popular one of them. Um, but there's also a couple other positions that teams have traded up for in, in recent years. Um, those would include wide receiver uh, and edge rusher as well. We know it's really hard in free agency to secure a, a, a tier one top level wide receiver uh, as well as a quarterback and as well as a, a pass rushers that are hard to come by. And, you know, some, just some context on those trends, you know, quarterback, of course, there's some notable teams trading up like the Chiefs, our Chiefs, Back in 2017, trading up 17 spots to get Patrick Mahomes at 10th overall. We also saw the New York Jets uh, trade up three spots in 2018 to get their guy Sam Darnold third overall. Unfortunately, that one uh, didn't work out as planned Um, in terms of the wide receivers. We saw the Bills trade up five spots back in 2014 to get wide receiver Sammy Watkins at fourth overall. So, um, you know, there have been some teams trading up into that top 10 to secure a wide receiver that they can they see as game changing. Unfortunately, Sammy Watkins wasn't that guy, um, but a guy who was that guy was Julio Jones. Um, The Falcons back in 2011 traded up 20 spots to get Julio Jones sixth overall. So as you see there, teams will trade up if they have a guy, if they've identified a receiver to be a a franchise-altering type player like Julio Jones has been for the Falcons. Um, And then in terms of edge rushers, uh, you know, you haven't seen it as much as maybe QB and wide receiver, but – Um, The Bears did it back in 2016 when they traded up three spots to get Leonard Floyd uh, ninth overall. So get moving up from 12 to nine inside that top 10 to grab uh, a guy they thought could be a a real game changer, pass rusher. Um, And the Dolphins also back in 2013 traded up nine spots to third overall to get Deion Jordan uh, at pass rusher, who I don't think ended up very well. I, I don't even know the guy. Um, but those are just some examples of of teams who made some draft day trades to go get um, some really coveted positions in the NFL. Who you really have to to get on draft day. It's much harder to secure during free agency.
1: Definitely, I, I get where you're coming from, but it seems like this year's a little different. Just given the the depth at the wide receiver position and, and the lack of uh you know elite edge rusher prospects in this draft. Kind of seems like the most likely trades this year are going to involve teams looking to make a big push for the leftover quarterbacks. Seems like, um, you know, we, we pretty much know who's going number one and two um, and Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. But there, there's that whole group of quarterbacks that are kind of in that next tier with Trey Lance, Justin Fields, maybe Mac Jones slipping in there as well. So we'd love to hear kind of where you think uh, these QBs might land based on the team's in some of these likely trade scenarios where teams could be jumping up to trade up and grab one of these quarterbacks.
0: Yep. And and you're exactly right. Uh, With how deep the wide receiver class is this year, I don't really see any teams moving up uh, into the top 10, forfeiting a lot of draft capital to get a wide receiver. Um, And there's not really an edge rusher that warrants a top 10 pick uh, in my mind. And so you're exactly right. The QBs, uh, will be, we'll be involved in these trades that will happen on draft day if they do happen. And so a few, a few potential trades that I could see potentially going down here. Um, you know, there's a few candidates uh, outside the top 10 who are in need of a quarterback that I could see drafting up. Uh, one of those teams being the Patriots at 15. Uh, they have yet to find a long-term answer after Tom Brady departed New England um, and so they could be looking to move into the top 10 uh, and secure a guy like Trey Lance or Justin Fields. Um, I could also see the, the Chicago Bears um, who are picking 20th, uh, you know, package together some some draft picks and move up into the top 10 uh, to go get their guy. It doesn't seem like they have a long term answer at the position um, with. Mitch Trubisky, that experiment did not work, and, and Andy Dalton looking like more of a temporary solution. Um, you know, the teams that may trade down, the teams that are in that the, the top 10 uh, who likely aren't looking for a quarterback who could be good trade partners for the Patriots to the Bears, um, teams like the Lions at seven. Uh, you know, it seems like they're in more of an organizational reset right now. Um, they have Jared Goff, who may not be a long-term answer, but it seems like they're looking to just maybe trade back, acquire as much draft capital as possible, um, and really use that to, to kind of uh, uh, direct the organization going forward. Uh, another team that I could see trading back in the top 10 is the Cowboys. They have the 10th pick. Um, and if there are, you know, one, maybe two quarterbacks left on the board at that point, I could see a lot of teams, the Patriots, the Bears, even potentially the Washington football team uh, wanting to move up uh, to that 10th spot and pick whoever is left over at quarterback to find their um, future franchise guy. Um, And so those are a couple of teams that I could see potentially trading out, uh, could see some potential trades there. Maybe the Lions and the Patriots swap. We know they have those franchises have history. Uh, The Cowboys could potentially move back with either the Bears or the Washington football team as well. There is one besides the QBs. I know we mentioned that it's likely the teams moving up will will be in search of a QB. There is one team I would say – Uh, in a non QB related trade that could move up into the top top 10. uh, And that's the chargers. Uh, They're currently picking at 13th. Um, They just drafted Justin Herbert last season. So they don't need a QB. They really do need to find uh, a number one left tackle to protect uh, their franchise guy and Justin Herbert. Um, And so I think if Penny Sewell, who is a generational tackle prospect kind of falls out of that, you know, five, six, seven range, uh, the Chargers could definitely be looking to move up to, to secure uh, Stuhl, who, who could, you know, have a, a career um, protecting the blind side of Justin Herbert. And so that's kind of what I see as potential trades happening uh, come Thursday.
1: Yeah, I really like a lot of those trades you just mentioned. Um, definitely one I have circled is the Chargers. Hopping up to number seven, like you mentioned, taking that Lions pick and getting Panay Sewell. Um, it'd be hard for the Lions to, to give up Panay if he's still on the board there. But I think the Chargers are definitely a team interested in moving up to grab um, some offensive line help for Justin Herbert. So I like that one. Definitely think the Patriots are going to be active in some of these discussions. And they're a team that absolutely is going to be trying to hop up into the top 10, especially if Justin Fields or Mac Jones or even Trey Lance starts to slip a little bit. Uh, Cause we know the Patriots are for sure in the market for a quarterback, but one kind of out of left field option that I just wanted to throw out there. I haven't heard this from anywhere. I haven't, uh, you know, even seen any ounce of this being uh, anything true, but I would love to see happen is for the Pittsburgh Steelers to come out of nowhere, hop up to maybe the, the number seven or number eight pick, to try and take Justin Fields, if he's still on the board, Um, you know, it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world to see the Steelers, um, you know, go and get their next quarterback. Ben Roethlisberger obviously has an extension that carries through this current season. So the Steelers aren't necessarily looking for a quarterback for this year, but this is a perfect opportunity for them to maybe sneak in when people aren't expecting it and get their future quarterback um, right now. So that's a left field answer I wanted to throw in there but uh, a lot of good trades you just mentioned and I'm excited to see I think there could be a, a lot of action especially in that the back half of the top 10 picks in this year's draft.
0: Yeah, I like I like the Steelers idea. They do need to find a uh... A successor for Big Ben and uh, it could make a lot of sense to go get a guy like Fields uh, in the top 10 here and so we will see uh, draft night it's always fun you never know what trades are going to happen but uh, those are a few that we could see potentially unfolding here on on night one
1: absolutely so next we're going to hop into our full mock uh, where we go through our mock of the first 10 picks of the draft but first we're taking a quick break we'll be right back
0: Z, let's go through our mock top 10 predictions here. I know you got some good, good, uh, good picks ahead of us here. I, I do as well. So let's just run through it. We'll go we'll each deliver each a uh, uh, pick one through 10. Uh, let's start with you.
1: All right. Yeah. Well, I think there's, there's probably a good chance we can knock out one and two um, together. Yeah. We, we don't have to spend much time on those. I think uh, number one to Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence seemed like he is, pretty much done everything except slot sign on the dotted line to make it become official. Um, but you know, there's nothing in the world that indicates that Trevor Lawrence isn't going number one to Jacksonville. Um, and then second to New York, seems like Zach Wilson has pretty much become the, the only target on the jets big board. Now seems like he's a slot in for number two. So, um, you know, one and two Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, I'm assuming you have the same thing on your board,
0: Yep. Just like everyone else, Trevor Lawrence going one to the Jaguars and Zach Wilson going two to the New York Jets.
1: Well, I'll pick it up at three then. And and I think three is where things start to get a little bit more interesting. Um, the San Francisco 49ers have the third pick in the draft. There's been a lot of rumors coming out this week that, you know, they've really narrowed their search down to Mac Jones and Trey Lance. And it's going to be between one of those two guys. Um You know, there's also some thinking that maybe they're they're doing that to, um, you know, diminish some of Justin Fields' value in case, uh, you know, there's a a player another trade in the works of some sort. I don't know what the deal is there, but at the end of the day, in my mock draft, I'm gonna go ahead and say that the San Francisco 49ers with the third pick are taking Mac Jones out of Bama.
0: Yep. That's uh, that's the popular pick. He's the odds on favorite at this point. It seems like that's Mac Jones is really Kyle Shanahan's guy. Um, so that, that, that makes a lot of sense at three for the 49ers. I'm going to go a little bit of a different direction. I, uh, I think Shanahan's been throwing out smoke screens really kind of for the last month or so um, just in kind of being coy about who they might pick. It seems like they've jumped around all over the place one day, Jones is the favorite and the next rumor comes out and Fields jumps to be the favorite. And then all of a sudden now Trey Lance is getting a lot of, uh, a lot of, you know, steam in terms of how he might be the pick at three for them. Um, From what I've heard, the 49ers personnel department really, really likes Trey Lance. And I think they can kind of convince Shanahan. You know, hey, this is a guy that we can bring in, have him sit behind Garoppolo for a little bit, um, and then come in and be our franchise guy. And so I'm going with Trey Lance at three for the 49ers. Um, I think he's a, he's a great pick there and, and could be a, a, the future of their franchise.
1: Yeah, that's definitely uh, some good reason you have there, some good logic. I think it is going to be Shanahan's pick at the end of the day. So we'll see if he wants to cooperate with the uh, rest yeah. of the parade trust there in San Francisco. And like Shanahan said earlier this week, we don't even know who's going to be alive on Sunday. So uh, it's not worth even thinking about who they're going to take in the draft. Uh, but moving on to the number four pick, um, this is kind of the, the first pick we've said where we could see some action happening on draft night in terms of a trade. But I think Atlanta is going to hold on to the number four pick and pick the guy that I talked about earlier is my favorite tight end in this draft. I think the first position player other than a quarterback coming off the board is Kyle Pitts out of Florida. It's going to be added to the uh, Atlanta Falcons. I think it really makes some noise on that offense. So Kyle Pitts going four to Atlanta.
0: Yep. And in this pick, like you mentioned, it's a lot of, a lot of conversation about what are the Falcons going to do? Are they going to take a QB here? Are they going to trade back or are they going to take a position player and I'm going to agree with you here. I think they're going to take the best player available uh, in the draft at number four. Um, they're going with Kyle Pitts out of Florida. I think it's just too hard to pass up. Uh, they're going to get a lot of good offers to trade back, but I think they go with what they know and, and take the best player available. They're not getting anyone better than Kyle Pitts, and so the Falcons, I think they go with him at four.
1: Yeah, that'd be a great pick for Atlanta. Moving on to number five, the Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> This is where I think it gets really interesting. I think there's two ways they can go. I think there's a fun pick and a right pick. And I think at the end of the day, the Cincinnati Bengals are going to have to make the right pick. The right pick here is Panay Sewell, offensive line out of Oregon. You hit on him earlier, talking about all the things, some of the incredible numbers, the highest ranked in pro football focus. So, um, you know, I – Even just seeing pictures, I saw a picture the other day of uh, Joe Burrow's, you know, eight-inch scar on his knee, and you think, okay, damn, they got to protect this guy. He's shown flashes of being the franchise quarterback, a guy that could really be one of the faces of the league at the quarterback position. You need to get some players in there that can protect him right away. Get the best guy in this draft that protects the quarterback. That's Panay Sewell. I think Cincinnati needs to take him at number five and will take him at number five at the end of the day, but there is a fun pick on the board and you might be taking the fun pick. It would be Jamar chase, but I'll let you take over. Who do you have at number five to the Bengals?
0: So I I would tend to agree with you that there is a a fun pick here and there is a right pick here, but as much as Jamar chase is the fun pick, isn't keeping your quarterback happy, (laughs) <laughs> your franchise quarterback that you just drafted the right thing to do. Um, and so, yes, of course, I'm going with the fun pick here. I think the Bengals can't pass up on reuniting Jamar Chase with um, with Joe Burrow. I think it's very important uh, to keep your quarterback happy, a guy that is the face of your franchise. And, uh, yes, protecting him matters a lot, but – Uh, Joe Burrow, uh, he's a pretty cavalier dude. Uh, I think he, in in that draft room, in in conversations with uh, the coaching staff and management, Joe Burrow is probably banging on the table for his guy, Jamar Chase, even though he knows, you know, hey, getting protection is is how I'm going to last in the league. Um, You know, I think he's more of like, ah, we'll see what happens. We can patch together a line, give me a playmaker like Jamar Chase. And so I think the Bengals go uh, with the LSU product at number five.
1: That would be a crazy duo there. Um, Number six is where I'm actually picking Jamar Chase to go. Um, And and it wouldn't surprise me if there is some sort of a trade with Miami here. Miami's already been accumulating first-round picks. I could see them trading back and trying to pick up another late first-rounder, especially if they're looking to go wide receiver. Um, Like we mentioned, there are a lot of teams that may want to hop into the top 10 to pick a quarterback at this point. So, wouldn't surprise me, um, you know, if Miami dropped a couple spots and was still able to get Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith, one of those Bama guys, to pair up with their Bama quarterback and Tua. Uh, uh, but if Miami keeps his pick, which at the end of the day I think they will, they got to go Jamar Chase. I mean, all the reasons you hit on earlier, he's incredible. He'd be fun, and uh, you know, I could see him down in Miami really uh, being a, a big impact type of player. So. Number six to the Dolphins, I've got Jamar Chase.
0: Yep, and, and so for six, for this pick, this is actually going to involve my first trade. Like you hit on, the Dolphins, their MO in recent draft years has been, hey, let's trade back, accumulate more draft capital. And I think, uh, you know, with their pick at six, it's a great opportunity to do so with uh, a few quarterbacks left on the board. And so I think the Dolphins trade out of the number six picks with the Broncos. They trade back to nine, the Broncos move up into six and they get their franchise quarterback of the future in Justin Fields. Um, that's where I like him to fall. Uh, you know, really the reasoning here, John Elway is looking at the rest of the AFC West and like, all right, the chiefs has got Patrick Mahomes, the Chargers He's got Justin Herbert I've got a super talented roster, you know, maybe a top five talent and top five roster in terms of talent in the NFL. I got to maximize that while I can, and so he's really, you know, kind of got the pressure on him to go get a QB. We've seen the Drew Locke experiment hasn't really worked, and so I think the Broncos are feeling some urgency. They're going to move up from nine to six uh, and pick up Justin Fields in a trade here.
1: It's a great pick there. Um, it would be fun to see to see Fields. In that position, um, moving on to number seven here, the Detroit Lions own this pick right now. I think there's a very good chance it will be traded. And I think the Chargers are going to be the team to trade up in this draft to get the offensive linemen that they want. Um, I think it's going to come down to two guys for them. Um, I have mean, three guys. If Panay Sewell is still on the board, I had him already picked in my mock draft. So, I think if he's still on the board, it's a no-brainer for the Chargers to move up get Sewell. He was already off on my board, so I think it comes down to two guys. Between Rashawn Slater and then Elijah Veritaker, who I mentioned earlier, um, I think the Chargers know they need some protection for uh, Justin Herbert. They're going to trade up, get an offensive lineman at seven. We'll go with Rashawn Slater going seven to the Chargers.
0: Yep, and uh, the Lions—it's been mocked quite a bit that they could trade back. I think it would make a lot of sense for them to trade back, just given where they are as an organization, kind of resetting. They need to—it wouldn't—it wouldn't hurt to accumulate as much draft capital as possible just going forward with the position they're in. I think they're going to take uh, a generational player here who's still on the board in, in my draft and in Sewell, Um, at the left tackle position. I just think at seven, it's too hard to pass up. Yes, they could trade back and get a uh, likely a a, a second-rate offensive lineman, but I think he's the blue chipper in this class, far and away the best offensive tackle. And so the Lions are going to grab him, and he's going to be a cornerstone of their franchise moving forward.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great pick there. And like I said, if, if Sewell does fall to seven, wouldn't surprise me if Detroit keeps that pick and takes him. Um, in my mock, I just obviously had Sewell already getting picked to Cincinnati. Um, but I, I love that pick for Detroit if, they, uh, if Sewell does fall to that spot. Moving on to number eight at Carolina. The Carolina Panthers, they could get interesting. I don't think they're in the market for a quarterback, but they have been a little bit murky on their, their long-term future um, at the quarterback position. Obviously just got Sam Darnold on the roster. And uh, did sign him for an extension through next season, but it's still to be determined if he's actually a guy they want. I think Carolina is going to stay away from the quarterback position this year while they figure out what they need to do for their future. Um, And I think the first area they're going to turn to is the defensive side of the ball. I think they're going Patrick Sertain, the uh, cornerback out of Alabama I think he's a, a safe pick at number eight. He's a guy who's going to be a really good corner right away and uh, definitely a positional need in Carolina as well.
0: Yep, that's a, that's a good pick. Anyone who ends up with uh, with Sertan is is in his, is in good hands at the cornerback position. Uh, the Panthers, I have them going a little bit of a different direction. There's been a lot of talk about them sticking around and maybe grabbing another quarterback. Uh, with the top four quarterbacks being off the board here, I think they – they go offensive line. They've had in the past eight seasons, they've had eight different starters at left tackle. And so really looking for uh, some consistency of that position. And I think they're going to get a great guy and and Rashawn Slater at a Northwestern to to kind of fill that void um, and be their starting left tackle going forward. And so I have the Panthers picking Rashawn Slater at eight.
1: Like that pick. Like I said, I think Slater is uh, definitely a guy who could go in the top 10 um, so moving on, number nine, the Denver Broncos. You had them trading up in this draft to grab Justin Fields in my mock. I have Justin Fields dropping down to them at number nine. Um, I don't think that they're gonna have to go up and get them. I think Justin Fields is gonna be on the board for them and it's gonna be the right pick for all the reasons you mentioned. I think Denver needs to finally get a quarterback right in the draft, and I think this is the year they could do it if Justin Fields falls in their lap. There is no way they pass up on him at number nine.
0: Yep, so we both got the Broncos uh, in and out with Justin Fields. I like it. Uh, I had this involving a trade, so the Broncos moved up to six. The Dolphins moved back to nine. Uh, I think the Dolphins can move back to nine and still get a player uh, that they really covet in Devontae Smith, uh, the wide receiver out of Alabama, reuniting him with his college teammate in Tua, uh, Tagluova uh, in Miami I think you know a lot of people are are high on Devonta Smith I'm one of them I think he's a, an elite player uh, with a, who produced at an elite level in college and you know reuniting him uh, in Miami with two I think could lead to great things so I have the Dolphins trading back acquiring some more draft capital and getting their guy Devonta Smith uh, at number nine.
1: That would be a great duo to see especially seems like two up Uh, you know, had some struggles last season for sure. And Miami is still putting a lot of their faith in him, a lot of their future in him. So go ahead and pair him with one of the most dangerous receivers we've ever seen (laughs) coming into the draft. So uh, love that pick there. But to wrap things up with the, uh, my mock top 10 predictions, the number 10 pick belongs to the Dallas Cowboys. And I think Dallas has a couple options to go here, a couple ways they could go here. It's Dallas. They love to be flashy. They love the speed. They went C.D. Lamb in last year's draft. I could see them going Devontae Smith in this year's draft. Because if there's one thing we know about the Cowboys is they don't always just go by best player on the board. They don't always go by positional need. They just go on a a, a guy that's going to be fun to watch. Um, but I don't have them doing that. I think it will be hard for them to avoid, but I think the Dallas Cowboys at the end of the day are going to pick J.C. Horn out of South Carolina at the corner. Um, I think he's a really, really good cornerback prospect, probably the second best in this draft. Um, I have Sertain obviously going before him, um, but I think Dallas picks a cornerback here at the number 10 spot and, uh, and goes with J.C. Horn.
0: Yeah, I would agree with you. I think Dallas that defense needs help, and uh, particularly on the in the secondary. And so I have them drafting a corner as well. Uh, I have them taking kind of the number one overall corner in, in many draft circles. Uh, and Pat Sertain, I just think it's going to be hard for them to to pass up on a on a blue chipper like that. They you know they love drafting Bama prospects. They got. Trayvon Diggs, uh, the Bama corner in last year's draft, and I think they grab another one, an even better one, in Patrick Sertan this year. And so I like Patrick Sertan going to the Cowboys at 10, um, and that closes out my uh, my mock for the top 10.
1: Yeah, I like that pick. I, I do think Sertan at 10 would be really fun. Um, I had him going eight to Carolina, but it would be fun to see uh, those two guys get flipped, see J.C. Horn. You know that coming out of South Carolina and sticking around in uh, in Carolina to play for the yeah. Panthers, so that that'd be a fun um, fun possibility as well if those two prospects got flipped in my mock. But um, I like I like it. Um, let's I, I want you to just read off your full ten picks real quick. Uh, I can go ahead and do mine first just so we have it. So I got Trevor Lawrence one to Jacksonville, Zach Wilson two to the Jets. Mac Jones, three to San Fran. Kyle Pitts, four to Atlanta. Penay Sewell, five to Cincinnati. Jamar Chase, six to Miami. Rashawn Slater, seven to the Chargers. Patrick Sertain to Carolina at eight. Justin Fields dropping to Denver at nine. And JC Horn at 10 with the Dallas Cowboys. Let's hear yours.
0: Yeah. Yep, and, and the way my draft fell, I have the Jags taking Trevor Lawrence at one, the Jets taking Zach Wilson at two, the Niners going with Trey Lance at three, the Falcons taking Kyle Pitts at four, the Bengals drafting my guy Jamar Chase at five, uh, the Broncos moving up to six and getting their franchise QB in Justin Fields, uh, the Lions holding Pat at seven and drafting uh, Penay Sewell, the Panthers t- picking up Rashawn Slater at eight, The Dolphins trading back and taking Devontae Smith at nine and the Dallas Cowboys taking Pat Sertain jr. At 10.
1: Love that. We'll see how it all shakes out on Thursday night, but to wrap it up here, the last little segment we have um, is what we're calling the Canton watch. In almost every draft class, they're usually one or two guys that end up becoming hall of famers. Um, Give me two names that you think are, are players that we should keep an eye out for, not just on draft night, but in terms of their career, uh, getting the jersey hung up in Canton, Ohio, in the National Football Hall of Fame. Who do you have?
0: So a couple guys I think that are well on their way already to to Canton in being Hall of Famers. Uh, the first being Kyle Pitts. Uh, like you mentioned, he's a generational prospect at the tight end position. Uh, You know, can line up outside a receiver uh, is going to be a mismatch nightmare. His entire career, his entire career, just an an absolute beast. And so, I think Kyle Pitts, uh, when it's all said and done, could very well be be in Canton. Uh, And then the other guy I'm picking here uh, is J.C. Horn, the cornerback out of South Carolina. He's got the NFL pedigree his dad Joe Horn played in the league for many years was not a hall of famer but I think JC could be I think his aggressive his aggressiveness um, and just kind of physicality of the cornerback position will really make it tough for for defenders to match up against him. Um, you know, I think it matters a lot where he lands. I think he lands in a, in a, in a defense that's going to allow him to, to play press coverage at the line and let him do his thing, maximize his skill set, um, that will bode well for him in his Hall of Fame case. But those are my two players, Kyle Pitts and J.C. Horn. Uh, they're headed to Canton in my book.
1: Love to hear that. Um, so I've, I've picked – Three players, because I had to throw one lame answer in. So my lame answer on the offensive side of the ball is Trevor Lawrence. I don't even oh. want to dive into it. It's a horrible, lame answer. My fun answer is Jamar Chase. I think depending yeah. on where he ends up, um, you know, it'd be awesome to see him in Cincinnati with his boy Burrow. Um, you know, I think both of them could have amazing careers, and Chase could be um, really the the blue-chip wide receiver of – any of the past couple drafts. Um, so Jamar Chase would be really fun. Um, and then on the defensive side of the ball, I'm picking the guy I talked about earlier, Jaylen Phillips out of university of Miami. Um, the only thing I think that could really hold him back is some of the injury history. Um, but with that said, he's overcome it all. He's fought through it, has an incredible story. And I think it'd be awesome to see this story end with a trip to Canton, Get his jersey in the rafters, and maybe even get the biggest award of all, which would be getting uh, getting the winner of Jersey Corner someday. So uh, <laughs> that, that's what I've got for Jaylen Phillips. I'm taking Jamar Chase, Jaylen Phillips, two guys that will end up
0: in the Hall. Yeah, man, Canton watch—that's a fun one. So I we'll have to keep an eye eye on those guys and see how their career develops. They may they may be ending up in. in uh, Ohio and Canton, Ohio when it's all said and done but that'll wrap things up for the point of drew draft preview for the 2021 draft I'm excited it's a couple days away um, so yeah I think we broke broke a lot down here starting with uh, the positional favorites our guys in each position uh, went through and, and looked at some tr- potential trades and then of course our mock top tens I'm excited to see how those shake out uh, see who gets more picks right
1: absolutely it was fun you definitely came prepared did your research pardon but a great episode there um everyone listening let us know how you feel about some of these picks hit us up on instagram on twitter uh, we want to hear your hot takes as well so fire them off to us uh give us your mock top tens and then uh, you know let us know how we did after the draft goes on thursday night um it, we'll see if we got any of our uh, predictions right but Uh, Thank you guys for rocking with us. Thanks for following along, listening to the pod. We appreciate you guys. You know the drill. As always, go like, rate, review, and above all, smash that. Subscribe. We will be back soon. Y'all take it easy.
0: Enjoy the draft, everyone. We'll see y'all next week. Peace.